Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. We are sisters who love to chat and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. We want to share the stories of ordinary people and have some laughs along the way. I'm Delight. I'm the older one. I'm August, and I'm the younger one. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. Hello. Welcome back to It's a Good Day Podcast. This is Delight, and I once again have Natasha Metzler with me. Yay. We have been going through a series, doing a series on infertility. Tasha has a little booklet that she put out called, (laughs) I can't remember the name, The Christian Woman's Guide to Infertility, Hope and Healing Without a Baby. And yeah, we just felt like it would be kind of a cool subject to talk about since it's something excuse me, she and I have both faced Mm -hmm. and we really feel like it's not just about this particular subject, that the things that we learned through our infertility journeys and the things that we continue to learn, Mm -hmm. um, because we're still, we're still in those journeys. (laughs) Even we both have, she has three children and I have one and, but that doesn't mean that we're not still in that journey. We are. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it really applies not just to this, but any place that we have barrenness in our lives and any place that we are without, any place that we're learning to trust God, that we're looking to him to fulfill something, but yet learning to trust him even when it's not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so today we've, we kind of are taking the last two weeks, the first week we kind of shared some of our story mm-hmm. and the first chapter, the first part of the book is titled self and just about, um, what it looks like in your own self when you're, when you're walking through this journey and walking with the Lord and learning to trust and all those things. So today we are going to talk about marriage and Mm -hmm. I think you can definitely see a lot of times when things in our life, not just infertility, not just pain, other things, it definitely can affect our marriage because you're dealing with something. You might look at it differently than your spouse. It mm-hmm. might, you might not know how to communicate about what you're feeling a million different things. <laughs> but I think that hardships definitely can affect all relationships. And next week we're going to talk about other relationships, but today we're going to specific specifically talk about um, the marriage relationship. So mm-hmm. That's all I got. What do you got, Tasha? (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, yeah, this is a big topic, actually. Um, And we're only going to probably skim the surface in some ways. But um, a lot of times when I talk to women about their journeys through infertility, um, there is some intense emotions (laughs) equated with how their marriage has survived and um where they might struggle or where they or where they grew even like it's just it's it's going to be intense when you get talking about marriage so i want to start with telling a little bit about my story specifically in my relationship with my husband because when i first got married um i <laughs> i have this personality where i am very very logical Okay, so 
in my mind, I am constantly um, assessing situations and trying to figure out what like the most logical or um, the thing that makes the most sense, right? I'm just always kind of trying to find that. And so when I started into infertility right at the beginning of my marriage, um, I if you listen to the original episode, I share a little bit, but I knew before I got married that infertility could be an issue. And then when I stepped into my marriage, it was even more of an issue than what I expected it to be. And I wanted to be okay. And I knew some things that I was struggling with, like I knew that they were coming. And so I kind of felt like I should have been able to head them off. And yeah, that makes sense. Like, wait, I feel like I my brain works that way sometimes too, mm-hmm. which I think some of that applies to what I shared in my story. But just like, like wait, I I knew this, so this should not be something I've God has to deal with. I think I can take care of it, on right? My own. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. <laughs> he has so many other people that need him. You know, I think I can handle it. Oh my goodness, what are we thinking? Seriously. Um, yeah, so one of the stories that I share in in this book, and and I'll tell it right now, is is about my very first birthday, actually, after we were married. We got married in November, and I immediately had some health issues following that. And my birthday was in January. And by then, I was kind of a mess. But I hadn't told my husband that yet. He didn't have any idea. We were newlyweds. It was all good. Um, But at my birthday dinner... At his parents' house. This is a great story. (laughs) Now, we went to his parents' house. We had a birthday dinner. I was meeting some of his friends that I had not met before. And um, I had also just found out that I was not pregnant, even though I thought that I maybe had been. Um, I had all of these health things that I thought they could have meant pregnancy, and they didn't. And I felt really stupid for ever even imagining because I knew, I knew that I probably wasn't going to be able to get pregnant, right? Doctors had told me this. And so the logical part of my brain was saying, you already knew that, that this shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't be any problem at all that you're not pregnant because they they already told you you weren't going to be, right? right? Like (laughs) that was all there. And yet emotionally, I was really, really struggling. So during this dinner, I just about lost it at the table crying. And so instead, I excused myself to use the bathroom and ended up hiding in the back stairs sobbing, right? (laughs) Until my husband came to find me. And I didn't tell it's him. It's very nice that he came to find you. It, it was. He probably, yeah. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> this is poor, poor guy. Anyways, I, but here's the deal. I didn't tell him what was wrong mm-hmm. because I felt stupid. I thought that it was really dumb that I was even struggling with that. And so I just said I was having a hard time. And he thought that it was because he'd done something wrong. He thought that, you know, I can't, whatever thoughts that came to his mind. And so that day when we got, went home, we had, um, the biggest fight that we had had. Now, mind you, that's not saying much because I don't think we had really fought at that point yet, but we had just a really hard time. And I remember just kind of cowering on the couch 
thinking, not that I'm not cowering from him, but from, my, from myself, like just cowering in inwardly on myself thinking what is wrong with me you know I had all of these these um, self-condemning thoughts Mm -hmm. about how dumb I was (laughs) basically and that night um, between between then when we had that conversation and then that night when we were laying in bed I just went to the Lord and really sought him and said, like, God, I don't want my marriage to look like this because my husband was miserable and I was miserable. Mm-hmm. And I knew that and I knew we were understanding each other. But God was very clear with me that the problem was that I was not willing to be vulnerable with mm. my husband. I wasn't. I didn't want to say, I know this is stupid um, maybe stupid isn't a very good word to use, but that's, I'm just telling you those are the feelings that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know that I should have known better. <laughs> and yet this is what I'm experiencing and this is what I'm feeling. And I did then that night I was laying, laying in bed beside him in the dark so that he couldn't see my face and how much I was just mortified at my own self. <laughs> And the thing that's so funny is he didn't think anything terrible of me at all. It was really just my own, my own um, fear of being vulnerable. Um, And he actually, my husband was very good to me and he was very safe. And he also, when I was vulnerable, he was vulnerable in return and was able to share with me where he was at. But that was really a turning point for our marriage. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I feel like it was such a grace from the Lord that he brought it to a head like that right at the beginning of our marriage. Yeah. Because otherwise, we would have had some really hard years in there. Over the course of the next um, few years in our marriage, we, we learned some things that are really, really valuable. And I specifically learned... Um, number one, not to make assumptions about what my husband was thinking or feeling and to instead be vulnerable enough to talk to him about it and to ask him and to listen and to listen closely. Because even though his responses to our infertility looked drastically different than mine, that didn't mean that he wasn't hurting or that he um, wasn't struggling with things. So Specifically in my story, my husband is um, 10 years older than me. And so by the time we got married, he had been single a long time and he thought that he wasn't going to get married, actually. And so there was already this huge fulfillment in his life, like something that he didn't think would happen had already happened. He had he got married. He had a wife like God had been so good to him and so when it came to children, um, he kind of, it, he needed to learn, uh, not, not he needed to learn. Let's see how do I word this. He had a different process, I guess, in coming to a place of desiring kids the way that I did because in assuming that he wouldn't ever get married, he had also assumed that he wouldn't have children. And so After we were married, it was probably two years before he was at the same place in longing for kids that I was. And 
so during that time, the, the vital thing and the thing that was just so important for us was for me to learn to, to listen to where he was at and to also be vulnerable enough to share where I was at, even if I thought that he wouldn't understand. And I think that's where part of it was the logic that I tried to use a lot of times didn't work because I was assuming things like that is condemnation for me. Right. But also to, and for him, but also, right? Like he needs to be able to hear me. Um, but of course, right now we're kind of talking as, as the wives, right? Um, so from our side of it, that I needed to hear him and listen to where he was mm-hmm. and give him space to for his journey to look a little bit different than right. mine and trust that the Lord was going to meet him and bring us together. Right. Well, and that's what's so interesting, like listening, like our story is I am kind of the one who was on the other side of you Mm -hmm. like and I feel like we had some of those same things you know where like I think that I could have felt like it was never something that I don't think either of us really verbalized but I could could have felt like why is this so hard like just trust Mm -hmm. the Lord like I am whoa like no (laughs) (laughs) right right um and I don't know if I even would have I don't know that I even had those thoughts but I think that the thing is that like the devil is he's coming to steal. He's coming to destroy. He, he mm-hmm. wants to divide. So if there's right. something that he can figure out a way to get a wedge between a husband and a wife, like he's going to do it. And I think, absolutely, I think that he definitely tried with us. Like he didn't succeed thankfully, but you know, I think he would have tried to say like, he's so dumb. Why isn't he just trusting the Lord like you are? Well, no, you know, he was on Mm -hmm. his own, his own journey. And I was on my own as far as the other side of it. So, well, and that's definitely like, I think that division is something that comes up a lot for um, couples who are going through infertility because one may want to pursue something more Mm -hmm. than another. Um, There were a few times that, I definitely had thoughts. We had had some failed things and then I was okay with stopping some of our doctoring at one point, but then it wasn't very many months before I started having thoughts like, well, if we had just continued with this, Mm -hmm. then maybe this would happen. Right. And all of them, like the enemy's goal is to, to get something in there that says that my husband doesn't understand, or if if he wasn't holding us back, then maybe, and that's not how it works. Actually, God's the one that gives children. Um, It's not according to your husband's will or the doctor. Or anyone else. It really is according to the Lord. And the Lord leads us and does use doctors and and, um, decisions that we make and things like that. But ultimately, God is the one that is going to give you a baby or not. Yep. And so that can be a hard truth because that means we have to face off with God Mm -hmm. (laughs) if he says no. Um, but it's an important one because it does mean that we shouldn't be facing off with our husband over that. And it actually, um, my, my mom always 
repeats a verse from Proverbs to all of her her daughter-in-laws and her daughter me and and the granddaughters now too she'll say it a lot of times but there's a verse in Proverbs that says the wise woman builds her house but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands and in that verse um the the word builds is actually a Hebrew word. I think you say it bana, but I could be pronouncing it wrong. I'm not actually a Hebrew scholar, <laughs> but the it, it means build, yes, but it also actually means to rebuild or fortify or repair. Mm-hmm. And that struck me at one point because it's not just about how we initially build something. Right. And I think that that was a, a big thing for me and my marriage even, because even though the story that I told happened just a few months after we were married. One of the the attacks that the enemy sent me was that like that that night when my husband and I were at a place of disagreement with each other and we were both feeling bad and it was just ugh. And I remember feeling like I messed this up. Like right. this wasn't supposed to be how my marriage went, and yet here it is. Right. Almost like and, is it too late? Right. And. And I know that was just with a few months. So I do know that there are women who have years worth of uh, miscommunications or assumptions with their spouse that that are lying there. But it doesn't matter if it's a few months or years worth. What God actually says is that we can rebuild and fortify and repair our homes. And it is through turning to him and it is through listening to what God says about how we treat each other, right? Because that's one thing that I think gets forgotten a lot is God speaks to the church in the New Testament a lot about how we treat each other, right? Yeah. He talks about being known by your love. Um, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit, right? These things that are very important in the lives of Christians. And those things apply to our spouse. Right. And that's a lot of times, and we all kind of know, like, we often can use our best behavior out and about. Sure. And then at home, <laughs> it's... And, and some of that is okay. It's not all bad because... In our home, that is the place where we're also the most vulnerable, right? Yep. That's where we're going right, to be. In a place of safety, hopefully. Right, is hopefully. Um, but that is also the place where we should be working the hardest at showing the love of God to our family, our immediate family. And for someone going through infertility in particularly, um, that can be a little bit hard because sometimes you want your immediate family to be bigger than it is. And all you've got is your spouse right. and he's a grown man. And so you want him to be taking care of you maybe <laughs> or something. <laughs> but the truth is that the Lord calls us as women to build our homes. And that's an authority that we are given. Um, we are, yeah, we set the stage in our home and it is so important to be treating our spouse with gentleness and to be caring about them, recognizing that there can be a lot going on, especially, especially if they're not as quick to talk or share their feelings. And it can depend a little bit on the person, obviously. Right. My husband is a little more quick to share his feelings. Right. <laughs> he's actually much quicker than I am. And so that that does happen. But he's still a man that wants to protect and take care, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And I need to work to 
um, make sure that he knows that I'm a safe place too. Like yeah. that I'm going to be willing to listen yep. and to adjust my life for things that he needs. Um, that, that makes a huge difference. And I know, so for you, Lydie, I know that um, you mentioned that your husband was the one that was maybe feeling some of the intensity of the the years of infertility right um a little more sooner. than you yep. or sooner that's a better way to say mm-hmm. it um and so for you guys how did that work for you to to encourage him like when that wasn't when you didn't feel things maybe quite as intensely as him yeah i think that like it did it did take a while to even realize that. And I could have kind of carried some shame about that. Like I could have felt like, well, that should have been my job to realize that Mm -hmm. because that is, we are learning to not operate that way, you know, as our marriage has gone on. But I, at the beginning, it was a lot of me kind of taking the responsibility for what we both felt. Well, he's not good at figuring out his feelings. So I need to feel out, figure out mine and his, you know, mm, which mm-hmm. I've kind of realized like, uh, eh, I need to worry about myself a little more and not, it's not always my job, but that's another mm-hmm. subject. <laughs> um, but I think it, once I kind of realized that that's where he was coming from, it was a lot of like acknowledging that and almost like validating that, which sure. I think is like important. It's kind of what you're saying too. Like, I think that that's important in a lot of areas that even if I just think that validating feelings is important (laughs) because we can tend to think even I think even with our own self, like you were saying, like Mm -hmm. knowing Mm -hmm. we can know in our head, like the right thing or the thing that God says or all of that. But like, I also think it's okay to feel like feelings are also normal. And so I think it's okay even to validate our own feelings. Like, okay, this feeling is real, but now what do I do with it? It's not, Mm -hmm. not just to always wallow in it. Validating feelings doesn't mean that you use them as excuses. Right. It just means that you acknowledge this is here. Yeah. So I think that once I got to a point where I was able to kind of like for us, I think I was able to help him, even feel what he was feeling like he would feel it but he wasn't always good at saying that yeah um like you're saying about yourself sort of you know like but giving him the place to to show that vulnerability to me i think was was a good you know was a good thing and i just didn't always realize that those feelings were there and Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that validating it and kind of being willing to almost to like work to feel the feelings with the other person even if you aren't is sure. a good thing like to be able to to be able to comfort them rather than just kind of dismiss their feelings because you're not there yeah I think that it's good to like in marriage especially like in that partnership there's so much value in like that part the the fact that you can lean on each other yeah. rather than there's other places to go to and get that times. And I think that 
I think that sometimes that's a very valid thing to say, like, I need my girl, you know, girlfriends or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. but I think that in a lot of, a lot of times, I think that the first place should be like after the Lord should be our spouse, because I think that that's part of the framework of building a marriage that is strong. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of, other relationships because I don't think it should all be my husband's responsibility either. (laughs) So I'm not saying, you know, only go to him, but I think that there's part of, of that building that it's important to have that be part of it. Absolutely. And I think that the, um, the concept of, of actively working at your marriage through hard things and being real with each other and knowing where your spouse is, is I think we can know that in our heads. Like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. That's, that's important. But a lot of times if we're struggling in our marriage, if we're feeling like, like things are off or not that great, or we don't prefer our spouse's company (laughs) Mm -hmm. or, or different things. A lot of times I think if we look at what the root reason is, it's often because we are not either not listening or not sharing. Um, sometimes, and sometimes it's both things. Sometimes it's, yeah, there's, there's lots of good therapy out there if you're having trouble, (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is is really real. Like sometimes getting somebody to help if if you do struggle with right. with communicating well. Um, either way, your husband struggles or you struggle. There there is a lot of validity in and finding help. Um, but even just like for me, it wasn't so much. We we've used um, therapy sometimes, but that's more an how to raise our children. We need, we need therapy for that. But we, uh, on our marriage itself, what we've found is we really do. Okay. As long as we are being vulnerable with each other. Yeah. And as long as we're listening carefully and willing for the, our with, for the other one to be at a different place yeah. than us. And, and still, like you said, validating that for, for them. Um, Right now, this is, it's really interesting because one of the things that I wanted to show in this series is how much everything overlaps, Mm -hmm. that infertility and the things we learn in that is is very often, I think always, but I'm hesitant to say that, but I would say (laughs) very often it's going to overlap in other areas of our lives. Even, even if we, um, leave the, the wilderness of this particular struggle, um, when we go into the next part of our life, a lot of times the things the Lord taught us apply then. Yeah. So for us, because we adopted uh, older children, we deal with a lot of attachment issues. And one of the things that my husband and I have worked through in that is attachment goes, there's attachment issues as far as for our children to us. Uh, there's struggles for them, but there's also attachment things for a parent to a child who that you didn't share as many bonding experiences with. And one of the things that has been really important is for my husband and I to know how to hear each other, even when we're at very different places. So in bonding with my kids, we've bonded at different, um, 
speeds maybe is the right word Mm -hmm. (laughs) there have been times and and sometimes just through different seasons like I can feel so bonded to our one child that is exceptionally attachment challenged um I can feel super bonded to that child and realize that my husband is floundering and struggling and praying daily that the Lord meets him because he's not feeling it Mm -hmm. right and and then it can be vice versa at other points and it has been so important how we learn to listen to each other um and validate each other through infertility has come into play in helping each other because there's a lot of condemnation in our minds when when we're not doing well at things right like it's one of the ways we talked about the enemy trying to divide um and destroy and one of the ways that the enemy attacks any of us is to just make us feel condemned for where we're failing. And when your spouse can hear you and say, ah, I hear that feeling. I'm going to pray with you for that. I'm going to support you. I'm right here with you. I'm beside you. Even if you don't feel the same thing, that you can be like the the stand-in and the advocate for them when they are struggling that is going to build you instead of the enemy being able to like crush you in your own head, right. With condemnation and then separate you from your spouse. It does the opposite. It counters it all. Right. right? And instead it's going to build us together and I'm going to feel more confident and he's going to feel more confident because we both know that the other one's got our back. Yeah. Right. Yep. So good. And I think it's, you know, like we're saying all the way through this series, just that God is, if we will let him, he is using every single thing to build our relationship with him and to Absolutely. bring draw us closer to him. And that really is the point of all of it. Just like it's the point of marriage. It's the point of parenting. It's the point of Absolutely. life, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think it would be interesting to transition a little bit and talk about, like talk to someone who is like, in the midst of like in their, their infertility journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you have, yeah, I guess just suggestions for like building your marriage, like maybe mm-hmm. more practical. I'm thinking sure. Like within that season, like I'll just say one thing that came to mind for me is that it's not like a huge regret I have, but I wish that we, and I kind of think that you did this a little better than I did, but you know, you could say, but, um, I wish that we would have like built our own traditions sooner. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that even though it didn't feel like a huge struggle at the beginning, it was sort of like, well, we'll do that once we have kids. We'll do that once we have kids. Mm -hmm. It it reminds me sometimes of people that are single wishing to be married and how we would say like, you know what? Don't just wish for that. Like have your life now, like do the, do those things now. Don't just, um, you know, don't just sit around like waiting for to get married because who knows, you know? Yeah. And I think that I feel like that sometimes in some of the practical ways, just about things like that, like about traditions, about like, yeah. And it's not, like I said, it's not like it's a huge regret, but I guess if I was talking to someone, you know, a couple who's kind of in the middle of that and they're like, we don't have children yet. Like, we don't know if we ever will, but we hope we do. And 
all of that, like, I would say find those things that are like important just for the two of you. Like even mm-hmm. for us, like we didn't necessarily sit down to the table for dinner together. Mm-hmm. Once in a while we did, but a lot of times we didn't. Like a lot of times we would just eat it whenever or here and there or take it mm-hmm. into the living room or even there's a period of time where we we got up at four o'clock in the morning because Jordan's job started really early. And so we'd be home at night exhausted. We would literally like take our dinner up to our bed <laughs> and like <laughs> maybe watch a show on the laptop and then like go to sleep soon after. Like, yeah. and, and it's fine. It's, it's all good. But in some ways, like once we had Harrison and there were certain things we kind of wanted to establish, mm-hmm. like I'll use that example of sitting at the table. Like now we do, for the most part. But I almost wish that we would would have started that on our own sooner. Like, I think mm-hmm. that that would have been valuable. And similar thing, like, with dif- different traditions. Like, yeah, for a while it was like, I, well, when we have kids. And then it was sort of like, I don't want to because these things are all about kids. And, like, mm-hmm. I think it would have been valuable for our marriage to find things that, it wasn't about the kids, but we just love it. And we did some of that. I don't, yeah. I don't mean to sound so harsh on ourselves. Like, yeah. you know, we did, but I would definitely encourage that. Sure. Yeah. And I definitely would say that, uh, Amos and I did do that in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, and, and it, of course, every, like we said, every, um, story is unique and every yeah. couple is unique. So people are going to like different things, but, uh, both Amos and I really loved to travel. And so when we didn't have children, even actually after some of our failed thing, we, we had a failed adoption at one point that we had canceled a trip because we were going to be adopting. And then the adoption fell through. And so one of very healing thing for us was that we just went ahead and planned the trip and we went. And um, that was it was good. And there's so many memories that we have with the two of us. And now since we've had children, we do travel. And of course we can't in the same, the same way before we went long distances. (laughs) Now, you know, we might go for a day or something like that. But, um, some of those traditions have definitely, I'm thankful that we pursued them Mm -hmm. when we didn't have children because it makes it easier to make a part. And it is part of our family culture now. Right. And, I love our family culture and it's, but it's definitely something that we established beforehand. And if we had tried to establish it after children, I don't know that it would have come together in the same way. Right. And I don't know. Yeah, it definitely made a difference. So another thing that we do is, um, my husband and I play games together and we play just silly. We've been playing boggle lately, but it's just different things. Like we'll have different games that we'll just play a whole bunch of, and we do it in the evenings. And we did that. We did that for years, uh, without any children, we would be home in the evenings with just the two of us. And we, we did a lot of stuff. We went places and visited people, but of course now with COVID, of course, everyone's at home a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it doesn't even bother us because we have some tradition with that, that we do together. Um, so yeah, I would definitely encourage it. It builds, there's something about, I, I actually tell my children this a lot, but muscle memory is a really neat thing that God gave humans 
that we have things that we do it repeatedly and then we do it automatically after we force ourselves to do it repeatedly, right? (laughs) And it's so much uh, watching little kids learn things, you know, they, they try so hard to pick up a pen and draw with it properly. And it takes all of this work. Well, then for the rest of their lives, they pick up pens without ever thinking about it at all. Right. Because we, our muscle memory kicks in and we know how to do it. Well, that's actually true. Some in our relationships too, Mm -hmm. that sometimes like saying, we want a family culture where we play games together or where we sit around the table for mealtime. We want the family culture that you do it some on purpose, taking the time and the mental energy. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes just what you do because that's what you always do. Right. Right. <laughs> and there's a lot of value in taking the opportunity that you have to establish those things uh, where you are because you can go like if you start your marriage and you say, we want these things to be true about us. Um, we eat meals together or we play games together or we enjoy traveling or, you know, uh-huh. like, and those are the, just those examples that we used right now, but they're endless, right? Whatever sure. it is. If you take the time to establish that, but then you never have children, it's still beneficial. It's still building right. your family because right. you still have a family. Yeah. If you're married, you have a family. Well, and for that matter, if you're not married, you still have family that is built around you. Maybe it's with friendships and things, but it's still you establish a culture within whatever home you live in. Right. And so it is valuable, even if it doesn't end up looking like it may not be because you're going to train your kids to sit at the table and have meals with you right it may be just that you needed to train yourself to do that yeah Uh, but it still is building your marriage it's still building your home it's still being using wisdom right um to make a solid foundation that you can serve from because that's actually kind of the point of the home, right? Is that from our home, we can serve our community and we can show the love of Christ to those around us. And so we need to take whatever opportunities we have to solidify our home base so that we can share the love of Jesus more clearly with those around us. And yeah, so absolutely, I encourage people whatever if you sit down with your husband and you imagine what you want your family to be like do the work of it now it doesn't matter if you're if you have children right now or not right I think it's important to just that to, like to honor our spouse like they they're with you in it whether they're the one that's feeling the hurt more or whether the they're the one that's you know, you're feeling a lot of feelings and they are maybe aren't at this point or whatever. Like they are, they're your partner and they're your person and they're the one who's going to be there for all of it and has been. There's one part in your, um, in your booklet here that I'm just going to read because I really think it's really good. And it says, He was there for every step of loss that marked our lives. He was the only person who had been there for every moment. I had friends who cared and family who was close, but my husband got it all. And the closer I listened, the louder his words came. The words he had been quietly speaking all along, the words that showed his own sorrow, the words I had missed on my self-focus. But specifically just that first part about like, yeah, they 
they are the one who is always there and is always going to be there. You know, they're the ones who get the brunt of all the feelings. They're the one who, Mm -hmm. who really understand. There might be other people that understand a lot and that are, are there, but that person or even, even maybe you're dealing with secondary infertility and you have older children or whatever, like those people that live in your home with you, they're the people who are feeling and seeing firsthand all of those things. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I think it's important to honor that role and not just be mm-hmm. like flipping about it. Like it is, it's an important thing and it's God does it on purpose. It's not, it's not yeah. a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, actually bringing up secondary infertility, we had, you know, some questions that were asked and there weren't any specifically about marriage, but, um, a couple people asked about just how to explain and validate someone who's going through secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. And so when, yeah, when you mentioned that, it made me think about it. So Just an explanation, if you don't know, secondary infertility just means that someone who has had a birth child, but then is not able to just get pregnant again. And so people actually can have seasons of infertility that don't necessarily mark their whole life. You wouldn't know looking at them because they have multiple children. Mm -hmm. But if they have, basically, I believe it is anything more than six months of trying to have a child and not being able to Mm -hmm. get pregnant is technically infertility. And so that is, I think, actually often a forgotten and unseen struggle. Yeah. Um, Primary infertility is obviously clear that you don't have kids, right? Um, you might not realize that somebody is, is actively trying because that maybe they keep it private or something like that. But, um, secondary infertility is, is really kind of a silent struggle in a lot of ways because some people have one child on purpose and then don't desire to have any more. Right. Uh, but I was thinking about that actually when it comes to our spouse though, whatever, is true about our life. Like if we are going through something like secondary infertility, your spouse is the one that knows all of it, yeah. right? You, the, and that's, that's valuable. Wait, I think that we don't stop often enough and really think about it. And when I was actually writing that part in the book, I was thinking about the fact that my husband had lost all of the kids that I lost. Mm-hmm. And it was it can be easy for me to think not not just all the kids i had lost but also the all the kids that i had hoped for right that never came right um and th- that is an honored place yeah. really and it is it just is valuable and i think it's important to keep in mind um but in in answer to the questions that people had about secondary infertility I think just if you are struggling with it, I want to validate the fact that that's a struggle and it's hard. Encourage you to be vulnerable with your spouse about it. If you are really, um, if you haven't talked much about it, make sure that you do share that, that, that it's hard for you. Um, but also just that it, it's real and it's grief and it's the same as primary in, in that part of it, like the grief cycle, all of that. 
I have not, like, I'm not at the place yet that I would label myself as having secondary infertility because I just had a child not that long ago. (laughs) But I am, like, I I think I shared in another episode that I am at the place where I have friends who have have children the same age as my daughter and they are now pregnant again and I'm not, right? So I, I am at that place now. And one of the things that I've needed to recognize and validate in my own mind is that it's okay to feel bad. It's okay to wish that I was pregnant. Yep. And that doesn't mean that I am not thankful for my daughter. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I would encourage if, if you are struggling with secondary infertility, just to validate the fact that you can grieve that. And that doesn't mean that you're not being thankful. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean, yeah, you can still, you can still have other children that you celebrate and rejoice in and still mourn the ones that don't come. Right. And that's okay. Uh, if you have a friend who is struggling with, with secondary infertility, that's what I would tell you to validate for them that yeah. if they're sharing something with you, just hear that and, and remind them it's okay. It's all right to mourn. It's all right to grieve. Like God is just as much God when we're lamenting as he is when we're rejoicing. Yep. Right. That's mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't change, and he actually teaches us about both things in Scripture. Right there is there is plenty of room for grief in our relationship with God, and in our um, yeah, in even in our rejoicing, there is room for grief over things that are hard. So that's my encouragement in response to those questions. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of reasons, you know that someone might want children and not have them. And I think that we can be in that, that journey and sometimes feel like maybe my reason isn't, isn't valid. You know, like at one point I had, it kind of struck me, this was years ago now, but just that surrounding me, I had a lot of people that, that desired children that they didn't have and you know some was they weren't on the same page with their husbands so they Mm -hmm. they didn't you know weren't having babies but they were really desiring that um or maybe somebody's that's single like we don't always acknowledge the childlessness there because we're just thinking about like oh they desire to be married maybe but they're not married but like sometimes they're maybe desiring to have children and they're facing that also but we forget about that. You know, we don't acknowledge yeah. that or, you know, I think it was the same. I had, I knew people with secondary infertility that nobody would notice because they already had several children or people, you know, that were just struggling with infertility in the first place. But I think that there's many, there's many places where we might desire children and they're not also obvious that people acknowledge them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think it's important to, just to look around and be be sensitive. Like I think because of we've walked through it, we're like overly aware of the yeah. things people say and the things that people think and that kind of thing. And I think that it's just so important. And again, doesn't just apply in this in this subject, but it's important to be sensitive to the hurts that people have because, yeah. you know, people all around us, we are hurting. There are things that are hard. And I think that 
we need the body of Christ. We need people around Mm -hmm. us just to even say like, I'm sorry, you're going through that. We don't, we can't always fix it for our friend, but Mm -hmm. we can sit next to them when they're dealing with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great place to end for today. Yes. But when we come back next week, we're going to be talking about those relationships and how we can encourage and in, and spur one another on yes in the lord yes as we're going through things like this so, so join us again next week but before we go we'll talk about what's good about today oh my let's see i mean we could say the little children that we keep hearing in the background <laughs> today they and, both woke up from their naps and they're being entertained in the and other i room, do but. have to say like i know it a lot of times it seems a little funny to be like saying, Oh, the good about today while we're talking about infertility is the fact that we have children. And yet at the same time, like God brought us children in very different ways um, for you and for me. And for both of us, after many, many years of a quiet house. (laughs) Yep. And so it is just I guess an encouragement, I hope, not that the Lord is going to give you the same story because right. it, it often isn't the same story, but just encouragement that the Lord does hear us right? and he does build families. Yeah. And I am just so thankful for that. So yeah, that is a really good thing <laughs> about today that we have these, these little, you know, one and two year old running around that need a lot of attention in time right now, but they are the evidence of the Lord's care and concern for us. And I'm just so thankful for them. Yeah. They're so good. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, like I, we've had a lot going on the last few days, I think is really why. And so I felt particularly like, like, like he's just kind of in the way, you know, <laughs> and I try to take advantage of the fact like a couple couple days ago he woke up from his nap and we were at home and he just well, he wanted me to hold him which really doesn't happen very often because he's just he's as energetic as they boy. come <laughs> yeah um but I just did you know I just put down my stuff and sat down and just held him and just said you know what I know I don't know when this last time is going to come that he wants me to do this <laughs> you know yeah um and so but I think just it's good for me to acknowledge like that like we mentioned I don't know if it was in this episode or maybe in the first episode just that suddenly it doesn't make it that it's all easier or that you can't it can't have a hard day but I am um I am really thankful too when Tasha got here today I said I put on a full-length movie for my son (laughs) and I realized like I don't know. I just think we can carry so much guilt of how we parent. And there's so many opinions of do this or don't do that. And, Mm -hmm. and this morning when my husband left for work, I was feeling just overwhelmed with that. My responsibility of a two year old all day. (laughs) And I did, I put something on for him and for a very long time he sat and just watched it. And I was able to have a few minutes of quiet and get some things done. And I was like, you know what? That was totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) so that's so great that's my encouragement also today you know if you need just do what you gotta do sometimes that's all (laughs) yeah yeah but 
Thank you for being here, listeners. Thank you, Tasha, for joining me once again. And I look forward to the next couple weeks as we continue with this series. And have a good day.